we're back, ladies and gentlemen. It is round two, Empire Writes Back, the podcast. We are here to take you on a little bit of a journey. I am site expert John Franklin, joined alongside my co-site expert, Sean Dyer. And Sean, we're going to kick things off uh, with a little hardwood action. Phil Jackson is out of New York. It's a blessing. We've all been praying to the Pope, or whatever desired deity you pray to. Phil Jackson is out of New York. Yes, it's about time. Uh, much needed separation, I think, for both parties. It just wasn't wasn't working out. Knicks fans were ready for him to go. I think, I think he was probably ready to go as well, and that's why they call it a parting of ways, not so much a firing. Kind of just agree to both go their separate ways. And I mean, if Phil probably if he wants another job in the NBA, he'll find it. Uh, but the Knicks definitely better off without him. Oh yeah, I have to agree. I mean, the big thing about Phil to me was just that. It, there was just, he emanated laziness. It just always seemed like he wasn't entirely there to do the job that they brought him to do. It was mostly just he was going through the motions of making the money he was making, trying to make a move here and there to make it seem like he was doing something big, like there were projects in the works, but there never really was. And the aggravating part of this entire parting of ways that they're going through is the timing of it. Yeah. In my if if in my opinion, if this was going to happen, it should have happened earlier, possibly before the draft. We don't know how this Frank Nolikina pick is going to work out. I mean, obviously the the injury to him in the summer league has been it, it slowed things down. Yeah, definitely doesn't help that. But you'd like to see if they were going to get rid of Phil or Phil was going to leave. It happened before the draft, so whoever was coming in was going to build the team in that direction. You know what I'm saying? It's, it yeah, would have worked in that way. You definitely, you definitely would like the same head guy taking you through the draft and the fr- and free agency. Yeah. So you have, there's this one one big picture, but it's hard now. Got, someone comes in and they got guys drafted. They didn't. They weren't there to draft, so they really have no allegiance to Nilikina. Obviously, he's going to stick around, but it's hard to now have someone else coming in to do a different job for you. And I think, like like you said with Phil Jackson, the lazy. I think he was resting on his laurels of. He was the guy that was with MJ. He was with Kobe. He just—it's like, oh, I'm Phil Jackson. I just kind of do what I want. But he definitely—he created a real rift with Melo, which you can't have your front office, yeah, not getting along with your your top player. And then it even got to the point that Porzingis wasn't a big fan. And when Porzingis, who is your real sole bright spot on future, doesn't agree with what your front office is doing, that's when you kind of have to make your make your make the cut, move along, and then. Hopefully, whoever comes in will now be able to lead them through free agency. Although, right now, it's been some inactivity for the most part. Not, yeah. No big signings for him. Well, my real my real aggravation with Phil lies within that, like you said, he was able to coach alongside some of the best players that we've ever seen in Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And then he comes to New York, and you'd think that he tried to build a relationship in the same regard with Carmelo Anthony, but instead, it went up in flames. It, it just ne- it was never there, and then you bu- you go from that to now. Kristaps isn't even a fan of him, and Kristaps was drafted by the man. Right. Like that, um, it was just never a good situation. And now, like you said, the inactivity. We all, I mean, we saw Dion Waiters was a possible option for the Knicks. They were in the hunt for him, and then as recently as today, he ends up back in Miami with the Heat. Yeah, back in Miami. Uh, which maybe I'm sure maybe Nick fans were getting excited about Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters is a player that needs the ball in his hands pretty much all the time, which is what he got a lot of in Miami. And I don't know, I don't know if it would have worked out with him and Melo and Kristaps and Kristaps. But Melo, Melo and Waiters are both kind of they're playing with the ball in their hand. They're not great yeah. without the ball. They're the ones that need the ball in their hand to make plays. So maybe it's better that they don't get Waiters. But maybe if they had gotten Waiters. And they would have moved on from Carmelo because there were original reports that Melo was going to be bought out of his contract, and they're going to let him roam now that he. Now, but Dolan doesn't want to doesn't want to get rid of Melo as he's already gotten rid of Phil Jackson. He doesn't want to get rid of both ends of that. Um, but Melo has wa- said he'll waive his no trade clause if he gets traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Houston Rockets. Basically, ring hunting. Yeah, but he's also going for. I think at least with the Rockets, he's good friends with Chris Paul, who they now have. Yeah. So he wants the to go Rockets play with that would look friend. So good with Melo too. Yeah, I think he would play a good stretch four with the Rockets. Yeah, uh, I agree. Then that'd be a pretty good starting lineup with Chris Paul, Harden, Ariza, 
and Capella Mello. and Mello. Mello. Capella's another player who people overlook very easily, too. Yeah, and then, honestly, in that offense, Capella would just have to catch lob mm-hmm. and throw it down like DeAndre Jordan in L.A. Yeah. But the issue uh, with the Rockets getting Mello is do they have enough assets to give back to the Knicks? Really, all they have at this point, after they traded a bunch of assets to get CP3, they have Ryan Anderson, who's not a bad stretch four. He could shoot threes very well, can rebound, but doesn't play much defense. Um, and that's a it's not a very good contract, paying $20 million a year. But it's the Knicks, so you never know. They may take it. Uh, Eric Gordon won six men of the year. Maybe the Rockets throw him in, although I don't think they'd want to. And then the other option would be for Mel to go play with his buddy LeBron at Cleveland. And Cleveland's a bit of a mess after they they parted ways with their general manager. Yeah, and and Chauncey Billups is staying away from the job. Chauncey Billups has turned it down, and there's... I mean, Kevin Love has been thrown into every trade rumor to any team. Any team, yeah. Which, as a player, cannot feel great when it seems like your team doesn't want you. And he was playing so well in the playoffs, too. It seems like a sell-high type situation for Cleveland as opposed to keep him and see if he gets hot. Yeah, and I mean, I think Cleveland would be better off with Melo instead of Kevin Love just because Melo's a little bit quicker and more athletic to run. Because basically all the Cavs, the Cavs know they could beat anybody in the NBA except the Warriors right now. That's their one team that they're comparing themselves against. So they want Melo to try and match up against Draymond Green because Draymond Green can run, and he's more athletic than Kevin Love. And if the Knicks can somehow get Kevin Love back for Melo, I think that'd be a great get for them. Yeah. Although him and Porzingis are similar players, but Porzingis could easily play the five and have Love play the four. But I think I think the Knicks should probably move on from Carmelo. And I mentioned last week that I think he's underappreciated in New York and the fans don't really uh, appreciate what they have in him. But I think for both parties, he certainly wants to go get the ring. Yeah. And that's not happening in New York anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but even even for the Knicks, Porzingis is your future. You now have Nilekina to go with him. I think it maybe you move on from Melo, see whatever assets you can get, whether it's, whether it's a player or a draft pick or some combination. And then you move on with your two foreigners, and uh, and you and then you kind of move go into the next phase, the new era of post mellow, post Phil Jackson. You kind of sw- uh, wipe the the, cl- the slate clean, and uh, move on from there. Right. And then, you know, I mean, see if you can attract some free agents. I mean, they've now been in contact with Rajon Rondo, who uh, I think would be a pretty good mentor for Nilikina if you're looking at point guards. I really agree. I mean. The thing, the thing with Nilekina that I'm excited for, personally, is that he has so many tools, and he's so young that if they brought in a guy like Rondo, who has always been a guy that, whether people respected him as a player or not, respected his decisions as an NBA player, the talent was always there. Yeah. I mean, he's just always been, he's been one of the more consistent point guards. It's one of the better facilitators. Yeah, one lot. of the better passers. And the thing with Nalikina is that he's so talented around the rim that people say that and his passing is incredible, but sometimes he doesn't know when to go up with it or pass it, and that's been his big downfall. And we haven't been able to see it because he hasn't played in the summer league yet, but Rondo has always been so good at the dish before going up or to just take it and use that behind-the-back fake that he's so good at. And I think like you said, he would be a very, very good mentor for Nilekina while he starts getting his feet wet in the NBA. But because right, Nilekina is a he's a raw guy, as we've said, he, yeah. he's he's from France, so he's he hasn't played college ball, right? So him more than anybody would need a veteran point guard to kind of show him the ropes. And he did. Nilekina mentioned that he thought he could learn a lot from Derrick Rose, which I think scared Knicks fans who thought uh, he was trying to get Derrick Rose back, and that's not that's not what they want. Uh, however, I think anybody. I, I don't think it should be Derrick Rose, but I think Rondo's not a bad option. Uh, but there's definitely. They, I think they. Pretty sure they looked into George Hill, uh, who was a very good player. Um, yeah. But he ended up going to the Kings. But yeah, the Kings I think, who are gonna be really good. My, I, I think the Kings are gonna be good. They added uh, George Hill and Zach Randolph, so you never know. Uh, I, I and they, they have Buddy Hield now, but uh, I guess maybe they're a little bit ahead of the rebuild process in the Knicks. But I think. I think the number one goal, I but I wouldn't give away Carmelo. I I wouldn't just ship him off rent. No, just anything. But I he's do still think a very it's talented his time. player. But if I think, if given the right deal, more than likely between that's the problem is that he wants to go to a contender, Rockets, Cavs, and they don't have a ton of assets to ship off. 
But if you and the real issue with contenders like that is, if you take a first round pick from the Cavs, it's going to be like 29th or 30th pick, yeah, almost guaranteed. So you're not going to get anything great with that. Right. But if you can get a Kevin Love or an Eric from the Cavs or an Eric Gordon from the Rockets, and the Knicks are able to get at least one piece to just kind of throw in there now and draft picks for later, you move you move forward. I think it's time for the for the Knicks to move on. And uh, maybe time for us to move on to the Nets. Oh, yeah, we're going to move on to the Nets. And the Nets, who have made a different kind of splash in free agency, uh, you know, there's really not nothing, nothing like what the Nets are doing because people just hate what the Nets are doing. They have this reputation of going out. They're going after players that realistically, with the money they have, they could get them. But teams are willing to match whatever offer they're making Case in point, Otto Porter. Yeah, they're chasing restricted free agents, which is, I guess, a strategy where you have nothing to lose, especially when you're the Brooklyn Nets, but very little to gain because, especially with the ones they're chasing, they're chasing Contavious Caldwell Pope from Detroit, Otto Porter from Washington. The Pistons and the Wizards have both said publicly that they will match whatever offer sheet those two players are given. Right. And the Wizards are now on the clock as Otto Porter did sign an offer sheet with the Nets. Uh, four years, $106 million. Whole bunch of money. Which, I mean, if you're the Nets, maybe the, maybe there's a small chance you gave him too much money for the Wizards to handle. And you get a great player in Otto Porter. Great young player. Three-point shooter. One of the better in the league at this past season. And Contavious Carl Pope's also really good. And maybe you sign him too. And you have money to throw around with, as, with the Nets because there's not much on the roster as it is. But teams with restricted free agents, because the Nets have been doing this for a few years, throwing ridiculous contracts at these restricted free agents that they realistically know they're not going to get, that, that the team is going to match the offer sheet and they're going to lose out on these players. Because if, if a team with a restricted free agent matches the offer sheet, that player has to go back to their original team. They have no choice but to sign that matched offer sheet. And really what the Nets are just doing is they're driving up the price of these restricted free agents because they have more money than a lot of these teams can sign these guys to these crazy contracts and then now they, these te- the original teams have to pay the match and pay for more than what they had probably originally planned on but if, I, if I'm the Nets I, I don't really care if the other executives hate no, me because yeah. what, there's no real disadvantage for me because as long as the players like what I'm doing because the players are getting more money they, they gotta love it uh, the executives may hate it but what I'm really doing is I'm driving everybody else's cap space up I'm driving the cap number up, less cap space, right. so maybe at some point, there is a restricted free agent and nobody has the money now to match because you've driven all these other players' contracts up and now you get a guy that you weren't expecting to get. So I, I wouldn't mind it if I'm the This is a very smart, under-the-radar thing that they're doing, too, because this isn't something that ESPN is going to go out there and report about Nets driving up contracts yeah. just to drive a contract. Nobody's going to really know about this unless you follow basketball religiously. Yeah. And it's a super smart move because like you said, a few years down the line, when these prices, these players are getting these max contract deals because the Nets were offering them so much money for like four or five years, whatever it may be, and then free agency hits and the Nets are finally in a situation where they're one good player, one good player away, and all the cap space of teams that need that other player are so high that they can't get them, and the Nets are just a shoe-in, this is going to look like one of the smartest things a team could do. Right, and if you've been following the NBA free agency, last year when the cap jumped up, the contracts were insane. These guys were getting ridiculous amounts of money, $20, $30 million a year to play basketball. And then now this year, because of the amount of money that these teams threw out last year, everybody has a little bit less this year. So the na- the big names didn't go off quite as quickly. And then next year there's going to be even less money. So if maybe next year... There's a stud that's now on the market. Now, because of these last two years of the Nets making everybody spend more than they wanted to, now everyone has a little less money, and they probably still going to have a good amount of money because who are they really paying right now? Nobody. Right, exactly. you got a lot of their guys on rookie deals. So maybe, yeah. maybe or next minimal, year. minimal, minimal, minimal regular deals. Right. So, Very little money. So as soon as next year or maybe the year after could be when this all pays off, when they are one of the few teams with a lot of money, and then they go and cash in. But... The only what, there's zero downside to signing Otto Porter to that offer sheet. The the upside is maybe the Wizards don't match, which seems very unlikely. They've basically they've already announced that they're going yeah, to. Yeah, but just, why not why not give it a go when you're the Brooklyn Nets and you really don't have a ton going for you right now? 
the, you've, you're still sh strapped by the deal you made with the Celtics. So you can't add a ton of uh, talent through the draft, as we've talked about. So you go, you go for it. I think it's not a bad move by the Nets. No, it's not. It's a sneaky move, if anything. And, uh, and they keep their name out. out there. You know, they're not quiet necessarily. Right. It's, right. it's just like they're always around. Because as, as a Nets fan... As a Nets fan, you gotta love it because you're going for it. You're you're looking to get an auto port. There's or a effort call being made. Those are guys that you would love to have, and even if you really you're not gonna get them, you gotta at least like them trying. Because if they if they don't if they don't go off these restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents are not most likely right now not gonna sign with Brooklyn because a lot of these guys they want to win championships. Right. I feel like in the NBA more than most sports. There's a lot of championship chasers. You don't see a lot of guys in the other sports take less money to go win a championship because. In today's NBA, there's only a handful of teams that are going to contend. Where in other sports, you don't know who's going to win year to year. Right. Like this year, like take an example this year, you could, if a, a guy in baseball was looking to win a ring, they would take less to go to the Cubs. The Cubs aren't even in first place right now. They're really struggling. And right. the Astros are, are killing it. Right. So it's more unpredictable in other sports where in the NBA, you know if you sign with the Warriors, Cavs, Spurs, Rockets, Rockets. Celtics. Yeah. That's really you're you're really having a very good chance of at least playing the conference final if not winning at all. So it's gonna be a lot harder for Brooklyn to attract free agents. So you go you you use your cap space to sign these restricted free agents that can because Otto Porter can sign that deal with the Nets with very little risk of actually going to play for the Nets. Yeah, exactly. He's just getting what he's doing by signing that deal is not committing not to play committing, for the Nets. Not committing to play for the no. Nets. It's getting more money, money from, the, from Wizards. the Wizards. And like, I'm sure he would love to stay with the Wizards and we would love to stay with you, but we are required to take a break every so often. We got to rest our vocal cords, folks. We're going to be right back. When we come back, we're talking baseball. You don't want to miss it. Stick it here. Empire Rights back. We'll be right back. Thank you one and all for sticking around. Once again, he's Sean Dyer. I'm John Franklin, and we're going to talk a little baseball, folks. And, you know, New York baseball is like no other. You just can't find the fanfare, the drama, the ups, the downs. It's, just, it's crazy how New York baseball works as opposed to any other place, but especially in Flushing, Queens. It's just ridiculous. It is a circus out there with the Will Ponds and everything that's going on, but they are just a team that should have been so good. is still so bad. We talked about it last week. And here we see injuries are on there. They're feeding their way back onto the field with Neil Walker, Wheeler, you know, Cabrera, who doesn't even want to be a Met anymore, uh, is coming back, but there's no excitement around it. Well, the, you know? the injury bug has been running rampant in all of New York. Uh, we'll get into the Bronx side of it in a little bit. But, yet, you got it's just it's so hard for a team to keep winning when every day you don't know who's going to be in the lineup. Because one, yeah. one day you got Walker at second and Cabrera at short. The next day they're both gone. Then you got Cabrera back. Wheeler, or Walker's still not there. You get Wheeler back in your rotation, but Harvey's still out. Syndergaard's still out. You got Mats and Lugo back at least. Then you have Conforto, who's one of your more exciting players. He hits the shell. DL. Yeah, it's it's every time you get a couple guys back, they more go down. When you get Mats and Lugo come back in the rotation, it's it's, supposed to be looking on the up and up, and then Harvey goes down. It's and the it, age old one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, and it's, they, it's exactly what it is. And it's, I mean, there's been criticism of the Mets training staff. Uh, Ron Darling on TV had he criticized said that it's it's ridiculous what's going on. Well, let me put it to you this way. Talking with the pitchers, at least. Well, let me put it to you this way. When you're a pitcher, all right, look back at the classic really great pitchers, guys like Nolan Ryan or a guy like Randy Johnson, just dominant pitchers who threw hard. Do they look like they have any ounce of muscle on their upper bodies? Really? Where they were just lean, lanky guys. And look rubber at, arms. Right, rubber arms. And, you know, I talked, I've talked about this before time and time again with what these guys have and with the Mets training staff what it looks like from the outside looking in at least is that they have these guys training as if they're football players with the heavy lifting that they do and right lifting is is important being in shape of course when you're any type of athlete is important but Absolutely. when you're lifting with such pressure on your arm already it just the coil's gonna be there and sooner or later it's gonna snap 
the pressure is going to come, and that's just how it is. You know, you even NFL quarterbacks, you really don't see lifting all that often, and they throw all the time, and it's a di- completely different throwing motion. Yeah, wouldn't call uh, Eli Manning jacked out of his mind. No, exa- not, exactly. Kind of, especially when you have these guys, because they're all throwing like 96, 98. That's a lot of pressure on an arm. Because it's not like back in the day, they're like 92 is heat. Cause yeah. Because they didn't have as many arm injuries, but these guys throw so hard. There's so much stress on their arm. But yeah, eventually it just goes, and... If you look at the Mets rotation the last two years, DeGrom is the only guy that's been able to stay in there. Syndergaard's out this year. Harvey's been out parts of both years. Matt's out to, start, out to start this year. Lugo out to start this year. Wheeler was out for an extended period of time. Right. Now out again. For some reason, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, maybe DeGrom's skipping some certain lifts, but he's the only one that can stay out there. And if you're the Mets, you've built this team around your pitching staff. You're supposed to pitch. You're supposed to give up. Three runs a night, maybe, and you you figure out the hitting from there. Hope you can get enough runs to win. Exactly, we talked you about have last week. To, these guys are precious cargo, and you have to take care of them. You can't because you can't have guys go down. Because as good as their pitching depth is, because they because they bring up a guy like Selman and Lugo to fill in these spots. These guys are good pitchers, but even then they start going down. There's no one. You never have enough pitching, which is true for any team. You yeah. can have you can take care of them as much as you can, and you still probably have a guy go down. But to have everybody continuing to go down says something about what's going on, and it, it's it's something we're not seeing. Way. You have to figure out a way to keep these guys out there because you st- you don't stand a chance without them. Because right. no offense can carry a pitching staff with five guys in the DL. It's just not possible. And then you even have Familia, who's supposed to be your closer. He's hurt too. They, there's there's they can't keep anybody healthy. I agree. And you know the thing is, it's a shooting themselves in the foot situation. And the problem with the entire thing is that we'll never fully know the reason why it's happening. That is something that you could keep within your organization as long as you want because nobody's going to figure it out. And yeah. that's that's just really how it works. Yeah, until they fire the training staff, we'll really, it, we won't even know. Exactly. We'll never, we'll never factually know why it keeps happening. But sometimes the answer might not be the pitcher with the best physique but the pitcher that fills the seats, could the Mets possibly see a return of Big Sexy Bartolo Colon at some point this season? Bringing Big Sexy back. I think Mets fans, why wouldn't you want that? I mean, you're looking at the team that's out there right now. You're not not catching the Nationals. That's gone. They've lost lost both games this week. week. Third game was uh, rained out tonight. So the, the the, the division is gone. And even to fight for a wild card, you're looking up at the Braves in your division, which shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Uh, out west, you have three loaded teams in the Dodgers, Rockies, and Diamondbacks. You're not catching them. Even a wild card spot is looking very, Bleak. very, very, very unlikely. And it seems to be they're done. And by the end of the month, we'll probably see them sell guys off, and it'll be over. So, yeah, when every because you used to, you, used, you going into the year, you wouldn't think you need Bartolo because Syndergaard, Degrom, Harvey, Matz, Wheeler. Those are your pitchers every and day. Five great pitchers. They're quality pitchers. It should be every single day for the Mets. When the Mets play, there should be a great pitcher on the mound, and there's reason enough to watch. But right now, the rest of the year, it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. So why wouldn't you want to go see Bartolo pitch? And even better, Bartolo hit. So yeah. why wouldn't you? I, I might go to a game. Why not? Let me tell you. Last season, I went to a game with my dad. We're sitting there, and Bartolo was pitching. And I remember being so excited and just thinking, I can't wait to get watch this guy get into the batter's box. He just brings an atmosphere to the game that nobody else can do because he's just, he's just funny. It's he's just a character. He's a cartoon character in real life. He's he's doing things that looking at him he shouldn't be able to do. He right. shouldn't be able to get big league hitters out. Um, and he's and he's doing things and. For a lot of fans, he's doing this, and he looks like us. He yeah. looks like somebody that should be in the seats or on the couch watching. That's the thing. And he's it's out so there. relatable. And at least last year, he was doing it well. With the Braves, there's a reason he got DFA'd. He was not pitching well at right. all. ERA around eight, worse than the bigs. So you understand the Braves getting rid of him. And that may be why Mets fans are like, why would we bring him back? He's, he's done. He's too old. He's over the hill. But a lot of the times, the stuff like that, to change, they needed to come back to a place that had success because the Mets pitching pitching coach could look at him and say, "I I saw him pitch so well last year. 
I've watched his tape in Atlanta, and I see what he's doing wrong, and I could fix it. Right. Because you look at the Yankees, when they Adam Warren was one of the better relievers they had, he even made some spot starts. They trade him to the Cubs for Castro. Terrible for the Cubs. He was even playing in the minor leagues for the Cubs. They get him back in the Chapman trade, and he's been phenomenal. He's been one of the better bullpen pitchers that we've so had all season. So there's certain pitchers that just mesh well with pitching coaches. Same thing with hitters and hitting coaches. And they just need, they need to be in with one coach. And they'll play well. So maybe Bartolo and the Mets pitching coach, that's that's the answer. Maybe you bring him back and he if he gives you anywhere close to what he was last year for the Mets, you'd you'd love to see it. And it's, you'd love to want to go watch that. It's just the the thing that I constantly talk about of every sport is a business at this point. And yeah. Bartolo is is a, a surefire answer to some fans that you're gonna want to go out and see he looks like a guy that'd be playing in a beer league softball Absolutely. on a beer league softball team. And the, the thing is, he somehow manages to do it in the majors. I don't care that he had the worst ERA up until the point he got DFA'd. He somehow managed to do it consistently last year and put him in a situation to win. I don't know. I, I love the guy. I always have a soft spot in my heart for him. Especially especially because there's just like he's just a lovable character. You can't root against him. He's just a people's hero. You yeah. know, he's just a common man's hero. You look at him and he looks like you, but he just has something, a spark that uh, not everyone is able to have. And the worst part about it is that we're talking about the specula- speculation of bringing back Bartolo, but the Yankees going, just the speculation of what's in the water. Where did where did all this negativity come from, this bad play come from? And it stems a lot from injuries, but... Even the guys who you think would be your most consistent players aren't even showing up day in and day out. Dylan Batanz is example number one. You know, he's yeah. he's the primary suspect, but the bullpen, ov- yeah, the bullpen overall, as a whole has not been good. But like I said, it's somehow the injury bugs over in Queens have crawled their way over to the Bronx yep. and really decimated this team in the last few weeks. I mean, our, the night of our last podcast, we, Silent Castro went down. We didn't know at the time the extent of the injury, put him on the DL. Aaron Hicks was already on the DO. Uh, Matt Holliday, he had been battling what was said to be an allergic reaction, turned out to be a viral infection, and that's kept him out. They haven't. They just now today figured out what exactly it is and hope he'll be back soon. Uh, but, yeah, they luckily they got CC Sabathia back, although he did not pitch well in his first time back. But he didn't have a rehab start, so that's hopefully that was his rehab start. Now yeah. he can get it going. Warren is now back, and he he's pitched well. But, yeah, even... Even the guys that are healthy, you got Judge has just continued to tear it up. He's so good. They literally, they can't stop him. Even Gary, Gary Sanchez has played very well. Didi's hitting well. Didi's hitting pretty well. But you got, I mean, Gardner, he's, he hasn't been great in the last few weeks. He had a, he obviously started great with the power numbers, but he's really cooled off. Ellsbury's come back to take Hicks's place. He's been okay. He hasn't been phenomenal. Headley... Right. Has surprisingly played better. Yeah, he played had a much better June than he did May, but it all really it seems that every single day the Yankees play come back to first base and the black hole that it is. Chris Carter has been DFA'd twice in the last week and a half or so. Thank the Lord again. So our last podcast, he had been DFA'd. We thought we'd finally got rid yeah, of him. He came back like the cockroach he is. You couldn't kill him. He came mm-hmm. back. Thankfully, now by the second podcast, he's gone again. Yeah. Um, but he, the first base has not been looking good, and like you said, the bullpen, Dallin Batances, just bullpen, is not right. It's a, a similar situation to the Mets, except there's not many injuries. It's that they're just they're supposed to be as good as they are, and they keep falling apart. Yeah, you, you, lo- you lost Chapman for a little bit, but right now you're seven, eight, nine. Clipper, Batances, Chapman—they're all there. They're all healthy. Clippard was a mess. He's his last few outings have been encouraging. hasn't given up, He hasn't given up any runs in his last two, I believe. But Batances is now a mess, and even Chapman, when he comes in, is not shut down like he used no. to be. Came in against the Blue Jays. We were up six one. He gives up two runs. Makes it. You just get nervous, and it's supposed to be. Obviously, out. obviously, last year Yankee fans got used to no runs. DMC Miller, Batances, Chapman. After it, six innings, if you had to lead, the game's over. They were playing six inning games. Yeah, it was six innings. It's over. Nine, nine, the next nine outs are done. You have no chance. And I think even after they traded Chapman and Miller, Clippard and Batances showed enough 
they're like, oh, now we got Chapman back. We'll still have a good seven, eight, nine. We're still basically playing six innings, maybe maybe seven innings. Uh, Clipper was not very good, but but Tansis, when Chapman was hurt, was Tansis so was good, unhittable. His ERA just a few weeks ago, his ERA was point four. That was his ERA um, like two and a half months into the season, and at that point, Yanks were like fifteen games over five hundred. Everything was great. We were stamping our tickets to the playoffs prematurely, obviously, but. Then he's blown up. His ERA is over three now in just a couple of weeks. He can't find the strike zone. Uh, four yeah, walks. last night was Four just walks uh, in. Walked in the winning run. Yeah, four walks, got one out. Uh, so yeah, so I think maybe everyone says that first base, we need to go out and trade for a first baseman or even a starting pitcher. But I think with CC now back healthy, you Tanaka's have. Tanaka's pitching T- Tanaka well. Tanaka has been pitching extremely well. His last two outings have been phenomenal. Uh, Severino has been good all year. All year, a little shaky last start, but still, he's still been been one of their more consistent pitcher, more consistent pitchers. Pain on a blow up session this past outing, but yeah, Mo- Montgomery's been your most consistent pitcher, arguably. And I I love Jordan Montgomery yeah, for the record. He's been more than anybody could have expected. Uh, but Pineda, Pineda, again, is just being Pineda with yeah. his inconsistent good start, bad start, great start, terrible start. Um, but I think. If you're going into a playoff series, because I think they may have enough pitching, starting pitching, to get into the playoffs. I don't know yeah. if it's a division or a wild card, but if you get if you get a wild card and you get past the, the one game playoff and you're in a playoff series, and you got, I I think they got to revert back, and I've always been a fan of this. When the Yanks won the World Series in 2009, they had three starters. That's what well that's what they're gonna yeah that's what you do in the DS. You have a five game series. There's enough off days. That you yeah. can go Tanaka, Severino, and right now Montgomery, Montgomery probably is your three starter. And then even if you go into the you got to think. See, I think I was going to say that you got to put CC in that conversation too. I think you put CC over Montgomery just based on experience. That's true because you don't want to because Severino, for all intents and purposes, is a rookie. He's, yes, he, as a starting pitcher, he had a, a half a year of starting pitching. And then went to the bullpen. But he's essentially he doesn't have much starting experience, and Montgomery is a rookie. So I don't know. Yeah, you probably don't want to go two-thirds of your rotation, young guys like that. So, yeah, yeah maybe CC gets that spot. You're probably going to start CC. But I think, as things stand right now, Pineda's not in your no, top three. No, no, absolutely he's probably, he's not. He's probably your five right now. So I think they have enough starting pitching to get where they want to go, at least to the playoffs. First base, they've started seven different first basemen this year. Ten players have played first base. Well, that is including Brian Mitchell. Who is a reliever, but he, yes. he he played that one inning. But even still, I think Bird doesn't it doesn't look good for Bird coming back this year. But Tyler Austin will be back. Tyler Austin, who's very very talented player, and so I think and I think you could even have Wade or Andujar play third, or Therese play third, and have Headley take, play first. take, take uh, first, or Holiday take more reps at first. I don't know if I think the biggest need as things stand right now is a reliever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Romine even played first for a little bit. And Romine actually looked pretty good defensively. That's yeah. right. I, I forgot that. Romine, Romine looked pretty good. The issue with him playing first is that you have both your catchers in the lineup, and if one goes down, things get dicey. But in in terms of a playoff series, you don't have to worry about that quite as much. No. Uh, but, yeah, I think you look at the losing streak. The offense, I guess we said, there's been guys that haven't stepped up. Judge has been steady. The entire time, it's, which has been miraculous, it's 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 absurd what he's doing, honestly. Yeah, Another, and he's got twenty nine home runs. He just tied Joe DiMaggio. He's gonna, uh, he's got to get to thirty before the break. If you tie, if you tie Joe DiMaggio in anything, yeah, I don't care what it is. Yeah, you're there, there's something special yeah, about you. I, it, there's you automatically. That's an unbelievable year. That's an unbelievable year. We're not even to the All Star yeah. break, and this kid has already tied what DiMaggio did in an entire season. So he, the offense. Hopefully, especially with the offense, that's where most of the injuries are. That you yeah. hope, even if the offense has been shaky lately, when healthy, it's one of the better offenses in the league. That's they yes. showed it. They showed it when they were healthy the first two months, and especially because you have Castro, Holiday, and Hicks. Those are your two, three, four hitters for a while. Yeah, and that's Hicks middle, was having like the best year of his career. Best year was Hicks and Castro were both having unbelievable yeah. years. And Holiday, every time he had a home run, it seemed to be a clutch one. And the middle of the order. It was, has been pulled out, and it's hard. It's hard to stay afloat, which they are. They're not sinking yet. They're no. still. They're still there. They're still for in the, the lead for, for the wild card. For the four, for the six and fourteen record in the last twenty games, and still being able to stay right 
with Boston in first place, and, and they're still first place on, in the wild card, and first place in the wild card. It just it's one of those situations where you hope the injury bug goes away soon, right? Or they can crawl their way to the All Star break and have that whole break to get healthy they're, again. They're, they're in need of an All Star break, really bad. Just a couple days. We don't have to play any games, and guys can still get healthy. Definitely much needed. Um, but I think actually, if we're talking about first base, if we don't want to look internally, could look to the Mets because if the Mets continue where they're going, we basically said their playoff shot over. Lucas Duda is going to be a free agent. Duda's not bad. All you got to do is take his stuff a subway over. Yeah. And he's, and he's in, uh, right near the locker room. I think the left-handed swing would play great in Yankee Stadium. Of course. And it's like when we talk about the Nets, and it's like, oh, any talent is better than what they got. Bring in anybody. Anybody's better than Chris Carter. Yeah. Bring in Lucas Duda. He's a rental. He's not, and he's not like the youngest guy. So I don't think he's going to cost a ton in no, terms of prospects. And, and he's not going to want to sign for a long term either. No, and and you don't need first base, especially a starting pitcher or a reliever. You like it'd be great if you get the added bonus of trading for a guy who has years left on his deal, and you could have him for a few years. First base, the hope is that Greg Bird is it's healthy future, next year yes, and yeah. is back right at first. So you don't want a guy with multiple years kind of blocking him from getting there. That's why when I wrote an article about Chase Headley potential replacement at third, same thing. You don't want guys that are locked in because you have Glabratoras hopefully taking that spot of it. Right, exactly. In, term, off, in terms of position players, the Yankees have kids coming up to take every spot. Yes. So you don't need – that you could you could give less prospects for rentals. Pitching, you can never have too much, as you mentioned, with the Mets. So you'd like guys that you get control. And the Yankees got great pitching coming up, too. Yes, yeah, they do, but like you don't have a, you never have enough. So you yeah. and you have Tanaka could potentially opt out if he keep, if he pitches like this. He may actually opt out now. It was the way he was pitching in the first couple months. It was oh oh god, he's going to opt in and he's going to keep pitching to a six ERA. But if he keeps the last few starts up, he most likely will opt out, get more money, whether it's with us or yeah. someone else. But if it's with someone else, he's gone. Cece's a free agent. Have been pitching well, but he's not getting any younger. Right. And Pineda keeps up this inconsistent play. He's a free agent. He might be gone. So you can get in a controllable starting pitcher and bring the kids up like Adams or Sheffield, Sheffield. or Caprillion if he recovers from Tommy John. Then you have you have a nice uh, starting pitching. But in terms of position players, there's kids ready to come up and some kids that have been coming up. In the last yeah, couple I mean, of weeks, we saw think, quite a few. I think the ultimate dream right now for the Yankees at first base is to have Bird be the everyday guy with Austin platooning. Absolutely. Yeah, left, right. That's It's just like exactly what you want. And I think that another thing for the pitching staff that we're overlooking is Dylan Tate's had a few really good starts. Yeah, he's pitched well. Acevedo has pitched well. And then Adams has been phenomenal all year. So. I, I just, he's so, he's right there, man. I don't know when. He's right gonna... there, and now Acevedo's in AAA too. So those guys, and Tate, Tate actually is, he throws like 98 and Acevedo throws in like the triple digits. If you put either of those guys in our bullpen to take over for Clippard in the seventh, yeah. Acevedo's throwing like 103 every time if he's throwing an inning. Tate's probably gonna hit triple digits. So those, even if they can't come up and take a starting spot right now, you could bring them up, throw them in the pen, short term, even if it's just for this year for your playoff run, and then you bring them right in the spring training, right back to the rotation. Right. But yeah, you got there's definitely guys there. Uh, we've seen Tyler Wade, Miguel Andujar. Dustin Frazier, Fowler Clint and Clint Frazier, all up in the last few weeks. I know you love Clint Frazier. Oh my God, I, I'm I might be the biggest Clint Frazier fan that is close to the same age as Clint Frazier. Yeah, that is, true. and that's so scary to think. But the, he's the same age as me. Yeah, the guy can hit the cover off the ball. We saw it in his debut. His debut, yeah. I mean, everybody in their first major league at bat is going to have some sort of a struggle, and he did. But then your first major league. Outing you, you park one, yeah, against the best team in the league, right? Yeah, you know he he has to be. You're looking at him. You look at Judge, and there's just so much to build with those two guys. And you just hope Fowler. Look, the like, you said this, You said this to me before we started. Fowler's injury is more suited and sad towards him than it is to the Yankees. Because the kid has talent. Absolutely. The, the man is a talented ball player. And if he were to recover quickly, ultimately when Ellsbury is gone and the and Gardner is gone, you look at that outfield and 
Hicks is going to get older. And you see Fowler out there, Judge, Frazier. I, I like that a lot. It's an, yeah, it's it's... You look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, they had the great homegrown outfield of Polanco, Marte, and McCutcheon. McCutcheon, yeah. I think you could be looking at something similar. I think if nothing else, what Dustin Fowler may have been doing, albeit for one whole inning, but if he had come up and hit well and played well all around, he may have been a centerpiece for a deal. Like, say you look, the Royals have, we need help on the corner infield. They have Hosmer and Moustakis, both going to be free agents. So they may they may sell those guys. They're playing really well right now, so they may stick with them. But if if the wheels fall off and they're looking at, to sell at the deadline, they also have their center fielder Lorenzo Cain, also a free agent to be. So if you give them Dustin Fowler, for say say we go for Hosmer because we need a first base some more. Obviously you'd have to add more to the just Fowler. But Fowler could end up being this be center everyday piece. center field for the Kansas City Royals. Yes. Maybe for the rest of this year if they trade Kane, if not next year. So if anything else, he would probably would have been a starter next year, whether it's with us or somebody else. So it's it's a devastating injury for him. Uh, hopefully, it's a speedy recovery. He's taking it in stride. He's had a really positive attitude from everything I've read from him. Um, they said six months of rehab should be back in the spring. Yeah. So that's encouraging. Uh, but I'm gonna throw out an idea, and you let me know what you think. Brett Gardner started off the year hot. Yeah. Crushing dingers. It's cooled off a bit lately. Yes. And I still I love Brett Gardner. He's before this youth movement was the only homegrown guy we had. Yeah. Still got speed, still a phenomenal defender. Gold Glover last year has been making great plays. What if you need a pitcher, whether it's starting or in the bullpen? Yeah. And you have in, in order to save some of these young guys that we're so excited to see, you trade a Brett Gardner who's got the rest of this year and all of next year on his contract for a pitcher, and you have Clint Frazier be your left fielder if if he if he plays well in the next because right now. He probably will get still some opportunities for a couple of weeks now, up until the deadline. So if he's hitting well, he maybe he's your left fielder with Ellsbury and Judge, and then you trade Gardner, or you also even if you trade Gardner and you send Frazier back down to get everyday at bats, you could have Hicks be your left fielder. Right. You can go Hicks, Ellsbury, Judge, and um, then and then Fowler, and then Frazier, whether he's going to start. Be the I don't think they want him as a fourth outfielder just because he's so young. If he's not going to start for the Yanks, they'd probably have to start for Scranton, yeah. which is what they did with Andujar. But you could even have Tyler Wade as, as your fourth outfielder because he could play every every outfield position. So I think Gardner, as much as I would hate to see him go, I really would, I feel like I'm more protective of our prospects than Brett Gardner. I am going to agree with you in entirely in that. I think Gardner is the guy that if you're going to trade somebody who's been an everyday guy for the Yankees or just a, a guy who's been, you know, one of the more consistent Yankees in years past, I think Gardner's the guy that you got to trade. I think that as much as I love him, like you said, there's always a piece of Gardner that's in our hearts because we watched him come through our system and he was the one guy we really watched come through the system. Yeah, he was coming up in an era where that wasn't a thing. It, yeah, but the Yanks were buying out anybody they could and were picking up free agents anywhere they can. Um, yes, I love him, but if he could be the reason we trade and get a guy who could be a veteran pitcher or even just like a, a younger veteran pitcher that we could throw into the starting staff and then ultimately see youth come up around him and put Frazier, like you said, every day in left field, or if he's not going to be every day and send him down, put Hicks in left field, yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah, and even looking at the lineup, he's a, he's – the guy at the top of your order, which is always... It's hard to get rid of the top of your order guy because it's tough to replace. But the Yankees have another leadoff hitter in Ellsbury. Yeah. So I think you could you could fill in there pretty easily. And for those Yankee fans out there screaming to trade Ellsbury instead of Gardner, believe me, I would love, I would love that. I would love yes, for that to be the case. I agree. But that contract is it's in, pretty it's much It's impossible immovable. to trade. It's, it's impossible it's, to trade. It's just impossible. It's not... If only way to trade it would be to take a lot of that contract on... And I don't think as I don't think Ellsbury he's having a decent year and obviously he got hurt again, um, but it's a concussion you don't want to mess with those things. Yeah, but I don't think he's bad enough where you would pay him to play for another team. Yeah, not, I agree. he's not there yet, so I don't think that's really an option to move him. So I think Gardner is the only guys in the lineup that I would that aren't really future pieces are him and Headley and Headley him and Headley both have year and a half left. I don't think Headley's really 
anybody that gonna want, no one's gonna really want no. Headley at thirteen million. So that's not really that's gonna be a tough I, tough. I sell. think once their time but, is up, both of those guys, I think Headley's done. Absolutely. Gar- Gardner, on the other hand, might be the kind of guy if we don't trade him, and I point, if the Yankees don't trade him, that he ends up just saying, "Look, I'll take minimal deals just to be a part of this team and help lead them for a few years, and then I'll re- I want to retire a Yankee." He sounds like that kind of guy. Just and to- well, the, the one issue is that they have so many young outfielders that are going to be pushing him out, but at the same time. You can't as much as as fun as it is to watch all the prospects. You can't have all these young guys. You need veteran leadership. Yeah. That's what Matt Holliday is here for now, and Gardner's been here for a while. So, I agree because I don't. Ellsbury doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to take a hold of that outfield and say we're we're moving forward. This is I'm going to be the leader in this outfield. No, he's not. Judge Judge strikes me more of a leader than Ellsbury does, but obviously Judge. There's going to be situations come playoff time that Judge has never seen this before. Yeah. So yeah, I think I agree. You maybe if you don't move him. Because, again, like I said with some of the Mets players, you're not giving them away. No. Fans are sticking around. You'll take the leadership in the, in the clubhouse. Yeah, you know, we'd love for everybody else out there to stick around, but we got to take a break. You guys take a break. When we come back, we are talking MLB All-Star stuff. We got home run derby predictions, All-Star game predictions. You won't want to miss it. He's Sean Dyer. I'm John Franklin. Empire writes back. We'll be right back. Thanks for sticking with us after that break. I'm John Franklin, co-site expert with this guy to my left, Sean Dyer. And Sean, you know, we said we were going to talk about All-Star Game stuff, so let's why, why don't we stick to our promise here. We're going to talk about the Mets first because they only had one All-Star on the ballot. And the sad part is, he is on the shelf, Mr. Michael Conforto. Yeah, so every, I mean, every, every major league team gets one All-Star. I'm not saying the Mets were given this spot. Conforto certainly did deserve it. He earned it. He's had a great year so far, great first half. Uh, He's been one of the bright spots on the Mets team. Uh, As we mentioned, injuries have decimated them, so a lot of the guys that they were expecting to carry the load haven't been around. Conforto has been up until recently. Now, of course, he's going on the deal as well, Uh, so he will not be playing, most likely, in that All-Star game. Um, But it's it's a positive note for the Mets. If if you're gonna have an All Star, might as well have the kid that is looking like the future of your lineup. He's 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 let off for the Mets. He's hit in the middle of the order. Looks like he could, they could pretty much hit him anywhere, and he's gonna hit. So there's a positive. For I'm also just glad he deserved it. You know, I'm right. glad, I can, he definitely he definitely was meant to be an All Star. Um, he had everything going for him, and then he just. The injury bug caught him late, like we've been talking about, and that's that really does suck, but he's a good player. He's the future. Absolutely. Uh, when you look at this all-star stuff, yes, it, it's it's helpful on a resume to have an all-star on it. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's nice. But it's also a break. The, the name break is in the title of the entire thing. It's true. And... With the pageantry and the fanfare and everything that goes on around it, and the derby, the, con- the home run derby, and paired with the actual game, yes, it's it is exciting to watch. But players like Conforto and anybody who's hurt, the break is there to be a break. This is somebody's job. We all overlook it. We think it's a game. It is their profession. This is how they make a living. Everybody has vacation days. This is the one time of year that people in the MLB really have vacation days unless their boss, the managers, give them a day off every once in a while. Right. So, you know, Conforto's going to use this break like any other player should use this break when they're hurt. So the Mets can't, Mets fans, at least, they can't be doing the classic Mets thing. Oh, this is such a Mets thing. We get one guy in the All-Star break, and now he's on the DL. Yeah, I know. I live with one. He's my father. And that's exactly <laughs> how he's going to take it. That's exactly how he's going to say it. But... It's good. It's a good thing to have an all-star. It's a better thing that he's not rushing to get out there to play in it, and he's going to take this time off. The last thing you want is to get your one all-star and have him go out there and get get himself hurt get in the hurt. game. Exactly. Um, especially because a, a lot of teams that only get one, their one all-star are the, a lot of the non-contending teams, but they have. Well, every team's got some bright spots, some guys that are playing well. 
But you you hate if you have your one guy, the only guy that you really want to go see, at least with the Mets, there's a few others that you'll go see. Jay Bruce having a good year. Um, but it seems like like the Padres. There's not a whole lot to watch except for right. maybe Will Myers. Yeah, who's awesome, by the way. So he's, and yeah, he, he's not in the All-Star uh, in the All-Star game, but hypothetically, if he's your one All-Star and he goes out there, gets hit by a pitch, and he breaks his hand, why, now why are you watching the Padres? You're not, is what the yeah. answer to that question is. Uh, but so, yeah, for the Mets, the break is going to be a break. That's the biggest thing is they're more focused on the break than the all-star part of that title. Exactly. Get everybody, get as many guys healthy as you can. Run them out there for the last 20 days between the all-star game and the deadline. Get guys playing well. Trade the guys you want to trade. And find out who is who's, who, you can, who you can move forward with. Who are the core guys? Yeah. Conforto, certainly one of them. He's got to be. Uh, well-deserved all-star, all-star game appearance. And also, you know, Ahmed Rosario playing the Futures game for the Mets. Right. So that's like a, when you have a non core. Yeah, when you have a non-contending team that has one guy that's going to be in the All Star break. Maybe, maybe instead of looking at the All Star game roster, you're looking at the Futures game roster. Yeah. Who, who? All right, I don't have a great team right now, but who am I? Who do I get to look forward to? Like you said, Ahmed Rosario did make the Futures game roster, as did Tomas Nito, catcher in their system. So you got two guys, maybe maybe Met fans, instead of watching the All-Star game this year, they watch the Futures game, which is a fun game to watch. Uh, you're looking at the future of the sport all on one field. Yeah. Uh, the best of the best in terms of the minor leaguers. So, yeah, I think Conforto and Rosario are the guys you're going to build around. With an outfielder and an infielder, uh, not, not bad. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, looking at the flip side of things to a team like the Yankees who ends up with a number of players uh, competing in the All-Star weekend for them, um. Yeah, it's great, and as we touched on previously, the Yankees aren't playing great baseball, and again, they're going to be another team focusing on the break part of the All Star part of this. Absolutely, you know. Um, but it's cool to see young guys getting All Star nominees from as a Yankee fan. You yeah, know? you got so Judge, obviously, he's a rookie; it's his first appearance. Sanchez, last year, he used up his rookie eligibility in the second half, but when he came up. All-Star game is over. This is his, for his first All-Star game appearance. And his, first op- his first option to even be in the All-Star Right, yeah, so he didn't even, he came up last, last year appearance. post-All-Star game. Yeah. So a judge in his first chance gets in. Sanchez, first chance, gets, gets in. in. Severino, he gets his, his starting debut was at the back half of the season. And obviously last year was a mess. Yeah. Got better in the bullpen, but it's his first appearance. So, I mean, you got the young, when you see young guys like Conforto and then these this trio for the Yanks, it's uh, it's exciting that as as poorly as baseball is being played on both sides of New York right now, and the necessity of this break for both teams, you you like to see the young guys. If anybody's going to be in, that's what you're looking for. And you know the thing is too with the Yankees is Didi is in that that final vote situation, and it does not look like he's going to get in. But you never know. You got to go out there and vote. Yeah. Hashtag Sir Didi for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, you got you got to vote, but. And I, I've been voting, don't yeah. get me wrong, but as it, it seems like an outside chance, and whether he gets in or not, one of these days, the shortstop position in the AL is ridiculously oh, talented. It's extremely hard. It's it's ridiculously talented. If you're looking at Didi's numbers, you would think, it's like, oh, this guy's got to be starting, but you got Correa's just Correa's having, he's having the year of his life right now. I mean, now. he's a freak. Lindor is unbelievable. And then two shortstops in the final player vote with Didi. Xander Bogarts, phenomenal uh, for the Red Sox, as much as I hate to admit it. Yep. Uh, and Elvis Andrews for the Rangers. Yep. He's been he's been great. And the thing is, one one year, it's going to happen. Didi's going to be the starting shortstop in an all-star game. It's just the way he's been playing, and it seems like he's growing in that direction. It, yeah, it's seems like to start him. One, one year, it's going to happen for him. But even if it's not this year, the fact that his name is on the ballot so quickly after, you know, he takes over for Jeter... This is a big positive for him moving forward. Absolutely, Re- yeah. regardless of if he actually gets the nom- like the nomination. Yeah, he's continued uh, to take steps in the right direction. He looks like he he's a star, but he's not going to get the recognition that he deserves. Yes. We mentioned it last week with Judge stealing the show. But and we also Sanchez. said we also said that it's going to help him. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's nothing wrong. A lot of people say like, oh, underrated. That's that's a bad thing. It's it's a good. It's not a bad thing at all. Um, you rather I think you you rather be underrated than overrated. Yep. Right. I, I mean, agree. you you rather be like, oh, why why is this guy not? Without in the, a doubt. You rather why oh why is Didi not in the All Star game? And say, like, why why is Didi in the All Star game? 
Like yeah. you much rather people wonder why is this why he's not getting the recognition he deserves. So I think D looks at it the same way. He doesn't mind. He doesn't want to be the star. He he'll he'll take the the second the second fiddle and and run with it because he's been he's been great. He's yeah defensively, and, offensively, and even even leadership. He's one of the. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he's one of he's a yeah. great. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you gotta follow him. He's he's a great follow. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, Post game recaps uh, filled with emojis after every game. Uh, so definitely definitely gotta check that out. But yeah, he's uh. It's just a tough time to be a shortstop in the AL. There's it just is. a lot That's of That's just the bottom line. Talent. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. It's great for baseball fans. It's great because there was a time, obviously there was a time where you had Jeter, A-Rod, no and more. Garcia Parra. Yeah. That was the highlight of the shortstops back then. And then it took a bit of a bit of a Lord, time where all the all the power was in the corner and fields and the outfields. But shortstop's back uh, in a big way in the AL. Yeah. And D's just, uh, just another one of them. And the, the good part is, though, is that he hangs with the top, and yeah. I th- I think sooner or later, like I'm saying, he's he's on the brink of that. He's gonna be an all star. He's gonna win. You know, it's right there for Didi. But um, moving on from that, something that I want to talk about that I'm not exactly thrilled about is the home run derby entry of. Look, I'm I've always been a Gary Sanchez fan. I love Gary Sanchez, and for some reason. I'm not so much concerned about Sanchez swinging in the All Star uh, and excuse me in the Home Run Derby, as opposed to Judge. And the only reason that I'm I'm not as concerned is because I think it's something with Gary Sanchez. His swing is so unorthodox in and of itself. When you watch it, it's just like it's not. It doesn't. It just seems it's natural to him. So it's not changing. Whereas Judge's swing took manipulation to get as good as it is right now. It took changing, and he's going to go out there and he's going to be in the home run derby, and there's there's no guarantee that he even goes out there and swings for the fences. He's just going to go swing light, like batting practice, and hit a few bombs. But a young kid who is handled stardom, he's not that young, but a rookie, who's handled stardom so well, he's flown under the radar as a superstar as far as saying things, talking to the media, always talking about the team. He enters the home run derby, and this, to me, could be his one slip. And I know you have a different thought about it than I do, but I'm always worried about guys ruining their swing for the good of getting a view for major leagues. And I would hate to see that happen to Judge. I don't really, I don't realistically think it's going to happen, but I am worried of the slim chance of something going wrong out there for him. Well, I, I agree with your point that there's certainly been players that have done the home run derby and their swing coming out of it isn't the same as when it as going in. But like you said, Judge has handled superstardom so well um, that I don't think I don't think he's going to go out there. He's not much of a showman. He's not much of a showman. He's not going out there to just show like hit absolute bombs. He may do it anyways, but he like he does that in batting practice. He puts on a show hitting like 500 foot home runs. And he's not doing that to put on a show, and it clearly hasn't affected his swing in the games. So I think even if he doesn't go out there and try and win, try and hit 20 bombs, if he hits two over two, like say he hits maybe eight home runs, two of them over 500 feet, I think everybody will be happy to watch that. Baseball will be happy, and I don't think it ruins the swing. Um, I think maybe I think you say you're not worried about Sanchez, but if you say he was just called out by Logan Morrison of the Tampa Bay Rays. Saying he wasn't deserving of the home run derby because he only has 14 home runs, he did miss a month. So that that's really where where the uh, the lack of home runs comes from. It's the rub, yeah. But Lomo has 20 something, 23, 24 home runs, and he said he's like, oh, I remember when I had 14 home runs. It was a month and a half ago. And then Gary correctly answered, "This is not my fault. I I didn't say I was better than you. This is I was asked to be in the home run derby. I accepted." He's not the one that's putting the the list together, yeah. uh, but maybe he takes that call out as a little more motivation to try and win this thing, and maybe he's the one swinging for the fences and trying to hit bombs. I think I personally, there's a lot of talk about the ruining of the swings. I'm not too worried about it. I think it's a fun event, and I think they should just go out there. I agree they shouldn't be trying to go crazy, because then you do you affect your swing. But I, I think these guys. Hopefully, we'll be able to handle themselves. Judge, especially. I think 
my thing with Judge, to be completely honest here, Sean, is that it, I'm not too worried about his swing going out. What Everybody, I'm reverting back to just like childhood thought. And there's always that one person who says they're not trying or like does something where they're not trying. You know, we've all had that friend and <laughs> we all we all know who they are. And, and, you know, Judge is not one of those people who's just going to say he's not trying and he's not going to try. Judge is going to put the effort in. And he's never going to make an excuse. That's just a player he is. But there's always, I feel like in any competitive person's mind, regardless of how you handle the stupid, the superstardom, you want to hit home runs in a situation where the winner has to hit the most home runs. Yeah. Like, Judge isn't going to go out there and slap around batting practice. No. They, yeah, right. There is going to be a little more of, a, of an uppercut. Because you could hit. As many rocket line drives as you want in batting practice, that's a great session, but they don't give you any points for that in the derby. Exactly. So, yeah, they are going to be swinging a little more for the fences. I don't know. I mean, I think it's you can have the argument It's going to go in circles, yeah. yeah it, there's no winner in the situation. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned in your article Bobby Abreu and how it didn't work well for him. We could also look at a former Yank in Robinson Cano who won the whole thing, and it, he's been fine. So it's 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 definitely a player by player basis. It's not a, no. I mean, as you know, it's not like oh the derby ruins There's everybody's no swing science, or yeah. it doesn't ruin anybody's swing. It's it's a player by player basis, and you got to hope. I think, especially Judge, they got good heads on their shoulders, and they'll they'll They're be able to, to they'll be able to get through it. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. hopefully it'll be fun to see. I the brackets came out and uh, Judge and Sanchez are on opposite sides, so maybe we'll see an All Yankee final That'd if, be very if, cool. if we're lucky. That'd be very cool. But you know what? Um, that's going to take us to the final portion of the Empire Rights Back podcast, and you guys will get used to hearing this. It's our final thoughts. Um, just to give you a little idea of what final thoughts are, it's where Sean and I kind of take a, a take on something that might not necessarily be the most popular thought. For example, last week I said that by the end of the season, CC Sabathia is going to have most the most wins I'm the Yankees pitching staff, which seems a little outrageous at the point right now, but you'll never know. And Sean's uh, take was that, Sean's final thought was that uh, Med Rosario post-All-Star break is going to be called up for the New York Mets. Yes, uh, which uh, only have six more days. To find out. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. We'll, we'll find be in out. in the Futures game, at least. Maybe he'll show something there. He'll call him up. Well, you know what? This is going to be our second segment of final thoughts. I kicked it off last week, Sean. Do you want me to go again? you want to start? What do you want to do here? I'll kick it off. Let's see. I think I'm going to stick with our most recent all-star theme. I'm going to say a little bold. I'm going to say Gary Sanchez, who the the brackets come out. He's the eighth seed. He's he's the underdog. He's going up against defending champ Giancarlo Stanton in the first round. I'm going to say that he does use Logan Morrison's comments as motivation. And El Gary wins the derby. Not Garrett, not Aaron Judge, who I think most people will probably be rooting for, and he may be considered the favorite, even though Stanton's the defending champ. I'm gonna say Sanchez wins the Derby, but Aaron Judge goes deep in the All Star game. That's a great that's a great take. Um, I'm I was actually thinking somewhere along those lines of th- talking about All Star um, situations, and my initial thought was for my final thought. And I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go a step further than you. And I'm going to say, Gary does beat Stanton, and he ends up taking it to the final. And I also say Judge meets him there. Okay. And I'm going to say, (coughs) excuse me, and I'm going to say in the final, Judge is going to beat Sanchez by one home run, and Judge is going to go second. You know, walk it off. Yeah, he's okay. gonna end it. And I think that, he'll probably get the choice because he's the higher. Yeah, seat. exactly. That's why I think he's gonna go second. And he's gonna send it, and he's gonna win. Um, and that being said, I think I, I'm not even gonna delve into the All Star game. I'm gonna leave that as my entire thing because there's a lot of specifics going in there uh, for my my final take. And one last final final thought. I just finally thought of it. I'm gonna say that Didi Gregorius gets that final player vote. But wow. it's up to you guys. You guys got to go all vote for him. Hashtag SirDD for sure on Twitter, where you can go online and vote. Uh, 
I don't, hopefully, he's got the New York market behind him. Hopefully, I'll yeah, come out, there's out a little there surge. and yeah. I'll admit that Moustakis, with his 24 home runs, maybe more deserving. But he's playing in Kansas City. Yankee fans got to be able to outvote the yeah, Royal fans. I, so I agree. It's up to all you guys out there. And, you know, while we're talking about Twitter, while we're talking about social media, don't forget to follow us on everything. We're on Facebook, Empire Rights Back. We're on Twitter, at Empire Rights Back. Backspelled B-C-K. The two of us, we are also on Twitter. I am at Hey It's Franklin 6, and Sean is at Sean R. Dyer. Look for us, check us out, see what we have to say. We love to hear what you have to say. Comment everything you want, like anything. We're going to kick it. That's the end. Once again, he's Sean Dyer. I'm John Franklin. We'll see you next time. Hey,